Amen. What an awesome day it is. I know that some of y'all are still under the afterglow of Thanksgiving turkey and dressing. I look around, I see everybody looks plump and ready for the word of the Lord. Amen. How awesome it is to come after such a wonderful time of celebration, to be in the house of the Lord, to be around the family of faith. Listen, I can think of nothing better. Listen, I, I, I don't know what, what all you had on Thanksgiving and all the people have been telling me they had a little bit too much. Some, some say they didn't have enough. But listen, you're in the house of the Lord. You know how many know we're going we're gonna to eat again today? I, listen, listen, I pray today that, that before you leave, that when you walk out these doors, that you be full of the word of the Lord. That you be saturated in the presence of God, the anointing of the Almighty. Because he's got something to give to you today. Amen. And I just pray you're ready. I look around, I see so many wonderful faces, and I just say, welcome, welcome to the house of the Lord. Blessings to everybody that's here. Special welcome to... Pastor Andy, Amaro, and Tina, and Jacob, man, what? I want to know how you got away from the church for that today. How did you slip out so smooth? Y'all are sitting there real, so relaxed, you're just enjoying it, because uh, you, you, you're sometimes on this side of the table, huh? So you know all the work that goes on in the morning. You guys know what it is to pastor and to be part of it. It's so nice to have uh, our good friends uh, with us today, all the way from Three Rivers, Texas. It's good to see you guys, man. What a blessing. What a blessing it is. Well, let's do this. We, we're, we're starting a brand new series for the month of November to December. It's called Breaking the Silence. And so we're getting ready. This is a Christmas-themed series, and I just pray that your hearts are open and ready to receive it. We're going to be talking about a wonderful ministration in the Lord. So why don't we do this? Why don't we stand? We're going to get into the Word of the Lord. We're going to be hearing the first message in this series entitled Breaking Point. So if you have your Bible, if you'll please stand, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And oddly, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to read the entire chapter of the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Amen. And so just bear with me. It's so necessary that we read that. But while, while you're turning your Bibles there and getting ready to, to begin this, this message, how many know that the Christmas is literally God breaking the silence. Some of y'all know that in the book of Malachi, the last two verses of the book of Malachi chapter 4, that God says that God is going to send to you the prophet Elijah before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And the Bible says that he shall turn the hearts of the father back towards their children and the children's hearts back towards their father. And then God says this, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And God would not say anything else for 400 years. Y'all catch up? Christmas is literally God breaking the silence. Today I want to show you that there was a moment, this expression of silence, in, in, in the nation of Israel, where God became silent, there was no prophetic revelation. In, the book, in other words, the Bible says there was no open vision. You need to know that we are living in a day where there is no open vision. Very little open vision in the day today. You need to know that. That even the prophets of God have become silent. I'm praying today that somebody in this sanctuary, somebody hearing this message, will break the silence. Can I suggest to you 
that breaking that silence necessitates a breaking point. And I want to bring you to a breaking point. If the, Lord, if the Spirit of God will allow me, I want to bring you into a breaking point because you need one, and so do I. Right? So just look at your neighbor right now and say, you need a breaking point. Y'all ready? 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. I am reading from the King James Version of my Bible. We're going to read all the way through chapter 1. So just bear with me. It reads as a narrative. I don't think you'll get lost or confused in this story. This is what it says. Now, there was a certain man of Ramathium, Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tuhu, the son of Zoph, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. Somebody say, watch out. I'm scared of that one right there. He had two wives. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that today because I think some of y'all need to, I need to shore up that a little bit. If the Spirit lead me, I'll, I'll talk about that for a moment. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. That's important, because in Shiloh there were two, these were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. And some of you that know your Bible know that these, are, these men were evil. And did evil in the sight of God. And the Bible says, and when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to her sons and her daughter portions, you know, meat to sacrifice. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the, word of, but the Lord had shut up her womb. So if, if some of you are there and you have a highlighter, and if you're able to, if you could underline that, and just underline that and just out in the margin put a breaking point. That's real good. Yeah, I appreciate that, Pastor. And that's, that's a breaking point. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Somebody put another breaking point. There's breaking points all through this, right? And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, as a typical husband would, Why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? Ladies, give your husband a little... Punch him in the arm right now for me, would you? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli, the priest, sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look upon the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me, and had not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child. Then will I give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, 
and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. And now Hannah, uh, she spake with her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought that she had drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, no, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Baal, for out of the abundance of my complaining grief have I spoken hitherto. Huh. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee the petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to the house of Ramal. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about, after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, well, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou hast weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode. She gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bullocks, and one ephah of flour, and a bottle of wine, and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked him. Therefore also have I lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Wow. That's rich. That's rich, rich, rich. Are y'all ready to get down with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the word of the Lord that comes to this church uh, at, at a very needful time, a pressing time. Holy Spirit, thank you for producing a breaking point in all of us. Help that breaking point be that place, that, that abundance of grief, that sorrow, that out of that it produces a liberality back towards God place where God can work again that, that in a generation where the open vision the vision of God the re revelation of God though it be dimmed we pray it be light again let your light so shine here let, let, let your word be, be such a revelation here let the people of God be full upon it we need your guidance we need your help and strength Holy Spirit, help us as we move through this message. Help us to find that place for each one of us independently, individually, that we might find that place before God right here at this altar this morning. And we've come to do some spiritual work. 
And so help us as we move forward. Help us as we go through. Help us, Holy Spirit, guide us to the right decisions and places and things that are necessary for our growth in the kingdom of heaven. Bless the house of the Lord. Bless the people of God as we move forward. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Listen, before you're seated, go find five people. Look them in their face and say, baby, you need a breaking point. Go tell them right now. Just go get them and say, baby, you need a breaking point in your life. You need a breaking point. breaking point. You need a breaking point. If you didn't get a chance to go by and give Carlo and Laura a hug, you need to go do that. Uh, it's so good to see them in from Tulsa, man. I miss you guys. It's so good to see y'all. I love you guys. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with the people of God. Pastor Cos, it's good to see you and your wife here today. I know that Rose, happy mom and dad are in town. What a blessing it is to see you. Blessing on you, your family, ministry, everything that God has you doing. Blessings, blessings, blessings. Wow. We've got a lot of distinguished people in the house of the Lord today. Amen. What an awesome day it is. God is awesome. Where to begin? Let me begin here. I'll start with a prophetic word from the mouth of the prophet Jeremiah. Speaking prophetically of the person we call Christ. The prophet Jeremiah proclaims. In his day, Judah shall be saved. Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby we shall call him the Lord, our righteousness. Uh, maybe you've heard Paul uh, give expression to that prophetic language. In that Paul writes, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, he says this. For, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. How marvelous it is to know that we stand in utter perfection before God. That is incredible. That today as Jesus stands at the right hand of God, so do you. Hid in the perfection of his righteousness. Will you look at your neighbor right now and say you're perfect in Jesus Christ? Uh, this particular message has been taught throughout the church and I pray uh, that you lay hold of that. 
There is absolutely nothing you can do to add to the completed work of Christ. It is done. Tap your neighbor and say, stop working. You're not going to impress God with your $53.65 offering. I mean, I'm glad you read your Bible through 10 times, but that does not impress God. I so appreciate you walking around with your little uh, King James Version of your Bible in your back pocket, but God's not impressed. There is nothing, nothing you can add to the work of Christ. So thorough is this expression of God in us that Jesus spoke about this thing called self-righteousness. You, you, you remember the story? St. Saint, Saint Luke chapter 18, the, the, the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. You remember the Pharisee, right? The Pharisee says, goes to the temple and says, Father, I want to thank you for not making me like him over there. You know, Father, extortioners, unjust people, adulterers, you know, like that publican right there. For you see, I fast twice a week, and I get a tithe of all that I possess. And Jesus gives an intimation as to how the publican is praying. You see, he's praying and he's beating his chest. The Bible says he wouldn't even look up into heaven, wouldn't even gaze his eyes at heaven. And he says, Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. That man went home justified before God. For you see, everyone that tries to exalt himself will be abased. And he that humbles himself will be exalted. And I already hear you. Don't be like the Pharisee. And there the cycle continues. It amazes me that in the church, everybody knows about the perfection of Christ. We know about the realization and the caution that we give towards self-righteousness. What we don't know is that there's a practical righteousness. There's something that you should be doing. You know what it's called? Right doing. Do you know that the prophet Micah says this? For he has shown thee, O man, Micah 6, 8. We all know that verse, right? Micah 6, 8. You know it. You probably don't know you know it. Let me, let me give it to you. He says, he says, for he has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. So important that you gather that you're supposed to be doing right. <laughs> Ladies, isn't it nice when you find Mr. Right? Uh, remember, remember all those days when, you know, he... He had every good thing to say, you know, he, he opened up the car door and uh, always, you know, called your baby and honey and all the things you want to hear. It's nice when you round Mr. Right, you know, it's, it's, it's practical, it's good. You should be doing right. It's practical in the expression of our faith in God that we should be people of right doing. I'll give it to you the way the beloved gives it. This is how the beloved talks. 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. This is what the beloved, this is how he talks. He says, if you know that he is righteous, 
If you know that he is righteousness, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Have you been doing right? Uh, he gives an expression, a comparison. Uh, watch the beloved say it again. First John chapter three, verse. First John chapter three, verse ten, when he says this: "In this is manifest the children of God and the children of the devil." He's going to tell you how we distinguish who's of the devil and who's of God. He says, "He that doeth not righteousness is not of him; neither he that loveth not his brother." Friend, you're supposed to be doing right. Can, can, can I introduce you to a passage? I think this will help you. Uh, it's, it's one that's in my memory because uh, it's something that I recite very often in my prayer life. Uh, go with me to Acts chapter 10, uh, verse 38. Just open your Bible. I just think this is something you might want to see because I don't want you to think that I'm teaching you how to be righteous apart from Christ. There is a practical righteousness that God is looking for in your life. Do you know that God expects you to do good? <laughs> let me say that one more time. Do, do you know that God expects you to do good? Uh, let me say it one more time because I think I'm around a lot of fuddy-duddies and you just left it all to Jesus to do. How many of you know you got something to do? And the thing you got to do is to do good. Are, are, are you there in Acts chapter 10, verse 38? I, I so love this particular expression of Paul to the church because he's trying to give you an intimation as to what people were saying about Jesus as he went through Judea. Uh, this is what John, pardon me, this is what Paul says about Christ. How God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him do you know that God expects you to be doing good uh, sadly I am now in a culture who just shrugs their shoulders at stuff The good that we should be doing, we're not doing it because, quite honestly, we just don't care about it. You know what I'm talking about, the stuff. You know the stuff that's going on in your house. Do you know that the Spirit of the Lord told me this week to tell you this? Be careful what you tolerate. You know, there's some stuff in your life that is so out of whack with God, but you're just, you just shrug your shoulders at it. It doesn't bother you at all. There are some things that have been going through your mind that are so contrary to the purposes of God in you, but you just let it just linger around in there. You're not taking nothing captive. You're just living your life. You're not concerned about a thing. And you're tolerating the very thing that should have created a breaking point in your life. Do, do you know that the love of God, uh, rather, the love of the word of God produces in the believer an ability to see what things could look like if you had faith in God? 
Oh, I just said something right there, man, you know. I'm getting into some, some spiritual gymnastics. Maybe you don't want to stretch like I stretch. But I, I believe there's some things that I see by faith in the word of the Lord that when I look at something, I can say to that something, that is not God. I'm saying something to somebody, and you, you're looking at me like I'm talking crazy. You, baby, you got to listen to what I'm saying. There's some things in your life that you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to know all the Bible. You just look at something and say, that is not God. There's things going on right now in your family, with your kids, at your job. There's things upsetting you, things that are supposed to create a breaking point. But we're not letting it be what God intended it to be. You see, there's just some things in my mind that I've read about the Lord that I just believe if I keep trusting that word, I'm going to see change. But it takes a breaking point. Some of us have been so clueless to it that God will often send to you an agitator. You, you've been in your prayer closet telling God, take this person out of my life, and not realizing that God sent that person to agitate in you what God wants to produce in you. Sometimes there's just people just agitating you and just irritating you, and they're making your life miserable because God is trying to bring you to a breaking point. You, you, you know, a breaking point where you're sick of something. I'm not preaching to everybody. I'm just preaching to somebody that came in these doors this morning and said, Pastor, I've had it up to here with that. I am sick of that. I'm sick and tired of it. You're at, you, you see, that's, that's, that's the breaking point. You know, there's some people, I say this in faith. I say it politely. I say it courteously. Uh, there are just some people in here that are just so passive. I mean, they don't get agitated with nothing. You ever meet people like that? And, you know, you see them, they're just so carefree. It, it almost seems like a bonus. I wish, I wish I could just be so carefree like you. How nice that would be. Every day is vacation. But how many know if you really want to get close to God? Can I share with you something so intuitive that sometimes we miss this in God? How, how many remember the, prof, uh, 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 the person, the King David? Dave, David, uh, y'all know that David fell into some, some very salacious things, some sexual impropriety. You, you know the story of Bathsheba, right? Psalms 51. Another breaking point. You, you, you know, David understood that all sin was against God. 
And it grieved him that he had disappointed God so. Uh, But David gives to us an intimation about how it is to get close to God that I believe a lot of people have never really investigated just how real this thing is about David being after a man, after God's own heart. And so, so, so David says this, catch this. When he's going through the processes of how do I get right with God? He's at a breaking point. He says this, thou desirest not sacrifice, else I'd give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings, for the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. You want to entertain God? You, you, you want to have relationship with the Lord? You're going to need a broken spirit. And, and you know what's sad? Is there are so many things going on in your life that should have already broken you. Its intention was to broken you, to break you. It's, it's a breaking point. That hardship wasn't to make you better. Oh, you know, now, now when the going get tough, the tough get going. I hear a lot of people talking arrogantly about what all they can do. It was intended to break you. That breaking was supposed to bring you back to the power of God and to the strength of God where you come back to the Lord and say, Lord, only you can do it. I just need some Humpty Dumpties in here. You look at your neighbor and say, we need a Humpty Dumpty at Harvest Point, you know. Somebody that'll fall off the wall and just break into pieces. For the sacrifices of the Lord are a broken spirit. For a broken and contrite heart, oh God, thou will not despise. This, this is David breaking over his own sin. You ever been broken like that? You ever done something against God? And you just so violated your conscience and your heart towards the Lord that you went before God and you wept sore and out of the abundance of your grief and your sorrow, you cried out to God, God help me, God help me, fix me, fix me. I'm broken. Anybody here have an experience in your life? Maybe you're in one now. And man, that thing is breaking you. That, that, that problem is troubling you. You just haven't been broken over it. You're trying to fix it. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to do something or do that or do this or the other in, in hopes that you might fix it. We just don't want to be broken. 
brother and sister, friend, guest, what you need in your life. And God has sent me here to tell you this. You need a breaking point. Who's, who's told you that lately? Who, who, who can come and look you dead in your face and look you straight in your eyes and say, brother, what you need is a breaking point. Who's brave enough to say it? Who's spiritual enough to talk about it? I'm not some wet behind the ear seminary student. I come out of here out of an experience. You want to attain the affections of God, you need a breaking point. It's how we sacrifice before God. It's how we come to the Lord and we say, God, I can't do it and I am broken. If you don't help me, I can't be helped. And if Jesus said, if the Son of Man said, I can do nothing unless God help me, I believe today in this hour there has to be somebody in the house of the Lord that will cry out to God, God, I can't do it anymore. Listen, brother and sister, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm tired of all the smiling. I'm tired of all the smiling. And I, I appreciate smiles. We look at your image and give him a smile, you know, and just try to smile out of your sorrow. You, you, you know, church can be one of the most hypocritical places. We, 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 we go through all this stuff, all the garbage you go through, and then we try to put on a smiley face in the house of the Lord, and God is saying to you, man, if you'd only be broken, I could help you. Man, if you'd only be broken, I could reach in and do something brand new in you. But you got to get rid of your little smile. You're always trying to impress everybody. Everybody's always, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, brother. I mean, I'm doing awesome. I can't be doing any better. Now, I'm not coming against your little, I'm not raining on your parade. I'm just helping you to be introduced to your breaking point. You know I ain't trying to be your friend, right? I'm trying to be a man of God. I'm trying to preach to you. I think you'd rather hear the truth than a lie. Listen, you want help? Be broken. Did, did you know that your father specializes in restoration? That's what he does, baby. He fixes broken things. And until you choose brokenness, and I know it sounds so odd for the preacher to come say, choose brokenness, but I'm trying to introduce you to a sacrifice that draws God close. Mm, yeah. You know, it's like when you go home, don't tell your mama you're hungry, you know. She, she get in that refrigerator, start pulling things out of there, you know. She'll take some stuff you thought you'd never do anything with that, and you'll be eating that, saying, this is so delicious, I've never had anything like this, mama. This, this is awesome. Listen, do you know that God can fix up something for you right now and produce a dish in your life uh, that you'll be licking your fingers and smacking your lips and... That was so good, God. Thank you. But you're going to need to be broken. 
Will, 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 will you get up right now and go find somebody? Because I just sense this might be a good time to cause a little stirring. Get up right now. Go find somebody and give them a big hug and say, baby, you need to be broken. Just get up right now and go find somebody. If anybody stays in their seat, that's the one you got to go find. Because if anybody doesn't want to get up, it's because the Spirit of God is trying to work, especially in them. So just go grab them and say, baby, you need to be broken. Just, just, just go get them. Just say, you, you, you need to be broken, you need to be broken, you, 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 you need you need brokenness, you, you need to be broken, you, you need brokenness, you need brokenness, you need it, 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 you need to be broken, don't, don't, don't worry about it, don't, 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 don't worry about being broken. Don't, don't. Brother Billy, don't worry about being broken. It's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm broken too. Uh, uh. Elder Martin, don't worry about being broken. Just be broken. I'm broken too, you know. And don't worry. Uh, Brother Jesse, don't worry about being broken, man. I'm broken too, you know. Just, just be broken. Don't, don't worry about it, you know. Just, 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 just go ahead and accept it. Don't. God's going to change it. Just, just be broken. I, I heard the Spirit of the Lord tell me early this morning, a preacher man, stay broken. Stay broken. You want God, stay broken. Just, just stay broken. God, God will always be next to you if you stay broken. But once you start to rise up in your own strength and in your own abilities, well, I got this this time. You're going to run away from God. He's going to run away from you. Just, just, just stay broken. You will never do anything more for God than when you are broken. You will never do anything more for God than when you are broken. God sends that antagonizer to break you more. To even break the broken pieces into smaller pieces. So that super glue won't work, you know. What goes where? God wants a thorough and complete brokenness. Well, when you look at the wreckage, you'll say, this is a total. This can't be replaced. Anybody ever been in an accident that they call it a total? I mean, you're not going to buff it out. <laughs> you know, fix the dent ain't going to work. It's, it's total. We're in a generation where there is no open vision. Eli is, is, is an, an older priest, but, but his eyes is waxed dim. He doesn't even know that the light has gone out in the temple by the Ark of the Covenant. Even the church has gone dark. Nobody's hearing from God. 
Even the sons of the preacher man are defiling themselves, prostituting women at the temple door. They became the first pimps in the Bible. Y'all know what a pimp is, right? A P-I-M-P, pimp. I grew up when Rick James was singing about P-I-M-P, pimp. Mary had a pimp. These priests were pimping women at the temple in Shiloh. Even the sacrifices of God that went before the Lord as a fragrance to God, they were coming in and taking the choice pieces of meat. God had told Eli, you better do something about your boys. He let them carry on. You, you, you understand that, that, that God is in the habit of speaking. He, he, he likes to talk to his babies, his sons and daughters. You know, he, he wants to, in case you don't know, Jesus died so that the middle wall of partition could be absolved so that you could have communion with Christ. In fact, the Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open that door, I will come into him and I will sup with him. Uh, brothers and sisters, we should be hearing God. Sometimes the light goes out in the church. You know, because we got involved in a lot of preaching that made us feel good. And the object of the gospel was to make you feel good and not be broken. And I'm not here saying don't feel good when the appropriate time is to feel good. But brother and sister, God produces brokenness in you. Because it's out of that brokenness that he breaks the silence. You will never do anything more for God than when you are broken. You know, when you've had it up to here. You know, when you have something going on in your life and you start saying to yourself, I want out of this. And it causes you to go back to God, to investigate, God, what do you say about this? And this is the problem in the church. This is where we're struggling our, our faith needs to see what God can do. L listen, stop shrugging your shoulders at it. Stop walking past the thing that you know you need to fix. You know how it is, ladies. Could we all go to your house right now, or is it not ready? You know how long you guys you've been talking about cleaning the garage? This, this next Saturday, I'm going to get in this garage and I'm going to make order out of this chaos. I'm tired of having all of the laundry just all over the floor. One of these days, I'm going to fold all of that. 
Aren't you tired of having to go through your living room like this and, and, and put this leg over here? Anybody ever seen hoarders before where, where they're having to go by a little pathway and, and then you got to jump over this thing and then you got to go underneath that and that's how we're living our spiritual lives. When are you going to stop that? Quit putting it off. Quit walking past the thing that you know is not right with God. Quit tolerating it. Be careful what you're tolerating in your marriage. Parent, quit tolerating what you see your kids doing. Oh, it's so easy to just make excuses for stuff. When if you had a spiritual heart for God, it would be breaking your heart. You hear your neighbor, they're arguing all night. And all you say is, man, my neighbors are crazy. Does it not break your heart? That your neighbor is in turmoil? When you hear about somebody's plight, somebody's sick, somebody got cancer, does that break your heart? Or do you just shrug your shoulders and say, well, that's life. Everybody gets cancer. Does it stir your faith up to God? Does it cause you to look at something through the word of God and say, that's not God? You see, it's supposed to produce a breaking point in you. You see, the Word of God produces a frame by which we measure everything by. Everything fits in that frame. Anything outside of that is what we have to deal with. And God has sent me here to tell you, be careful what you've been tolerating in your spiritual life. Because one of these days you're going to say, I'm going to do those dishes in that sink. And you know what a satisfaction is? Anybody ever just decide you're going to clean something up? How nice it is just to start doing it. Anybody ever just say, you know, I'm going to clean the garage. And then you start to say, man, I'm so glad I cleaned the garage. Then real joy comes and real peace shows up. Do you know that the real joy in your life and the real peace that you want God to bring is a peace that God brings when you start fixing things in faith in Christ. I'll get to the story. I'll cut to the quick. Hannah says, I'll give anything. I'm at my breaking point. I'll give you anything you want. Give me a baby. I'll give you whatever you want. Sure, she's loved, and she gets the extra portion, and she was probably finer than Panetta, but she didn't have no baby. The Bible says that, that, that Elkanah loved her more than, than, than the other. Uh, this may be a good time to talk about it. But you know, I think <laughs> I've been seeing people in the church, Christian people, not, not Mormons, I live, in, I live in some of the craziest times in the world ever in the history where 
doctrine and theology is so lost. The precept and the line has been skewed. That in the church, people think, well, well, why can't I have more than one wife? I mean, where does it say I can't? I mean, David had 800 of them. Did that surprise you? Everybody said, what? He had a lot of women. Son had more. It's amazing that David had so many, and he was still looking at Bathsheba. That ought to give you a hint. How are you going to have 800, and you're looking at 801? From the very beginning, I'll talk to Sister Sean because she's the only one enjoying this. Everybody looking at it around like this. Sister Sean, you know, the word of the Lord says that in the very beginning, when God gave to Adam Eve, the scripture saying, for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and shall cling to his wife, singular, and the two shall be one flesh. This is what God wanted from the very beginning. You see, they came, Sister Sean, everybody, y'all just do what you want to do. Uh, Sister Sean, see, what happened was they came to the Lord and they said, we want to know why Moses gave a, a, a writ of divorcement. Why, why did he allow that to happen? And then she said, well, he didn't allow it to happen. You allowed it to happen out of the hardness of your heart. But it was not so from the very beginning. You see, a man only gets one woman and a woman only gets one husband. Elkanah had two. And he agitated Hannah to the point where she couldn't take it. And she said, God, I am at my breaking point. I need a baby. I need a baby, Lord. And she wept. She wept in silence. Do, do, do you know? Maybe you don't know this about me, but. Everything I do is for this area right here. Because I want to see you come and weep. I've seen you smile. I haven't seen you weep yet. Brother and sister, listen, it's here that we do business with God. I don't want you to come in here and message goes out to my, oh, I heard a good message at church. I want to know that you weep over it. Did it make you cry? Did it make you think? Did it make you wonder? Did you sense the anointing and the presence of God? You see, she came to the house of the Lord, and she wept sore under the abundance of grief and sorrow. And she said, God, I will give you anything. She said, Lord, if you give me a baby, give him to you. Just give him to you. I said, what? You'll give me your baby? I like that. I want to say something, but can't talk to just anybody, you know. People I talk to come out of fire. You see, when I talk with people, it's intimate. I, I need people who have come through something that when I talk to them, they, they're going to comprehend the depth that I speak of, you know. When you talk to God, God doesn't say, hello, how have you been? How are things going? How's the job going? How's everything going? How's your mama and daddy? You see, when God talks, a depth to his voice. So give me my baby. 
Bible says that she brought that little boy back to God. All he did was open the doors. A little Samuel, a, a, a young a boy, would just open the doors for the house of God, just a kid. He would open them, people would come in and worship, close it. He'd blow out the candles on his way out. Lay himself to sleep. You know, Samuel. God wasn't speaking, you know, but there was no open vision, no revelation, but God wanted to break the silence. There's that little boy given to him out of sacrifice. Uh, given to him out of a breaking point. And, and then that little boy lay. And, and, and a voice came. Samuel. Does it make you weep? To hear the Lord's voice. Call somebody's name. Bible says he didn't even know God. So when he heard his voice, he got up and he ran back to Eli. Eli, did you call me? You see, he's attentive. He's duteous. He's not like the other two boys. You see, he's on guard. He's asleep, but he's still listening. And he ran over to Eli. Eli, did you call me? He said, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. He said, sure. He went and laid down. Starts to doze off again and Samuel, he gets out of his rest. Eli, did you call me? I, I, I didn't call you, man. Go, go back to sleep. You're hearing things, man. The Bible says that Eli didn't know the Lord. Just a little kid. He's not all sophisticated like you. He doesn't have all the chapters of the Bible and names of the Bible in order that he can recount them. He didn't go to Sunday school. He, he just got dropped off. Mama said, here you are, Lord, have them. As a reward of my breaking point. The Lord calls him. He runs back to Sam the third time. And he says, listen, Eli figured it out. The Lord's calling. He says, next time you hear that voice, you say, here I am, thy servant heareth. And God broke the silence. Friend, what you need today in your life is God to break the silence. Your breakthrough is found in the voice of God and in the voice of the Almighty as he begins to speak to you. I'm not talking about the preacher speaking. I'm not talking about your mama telling you. I'm not talking about your daddy speaking. I'm talking about the voice of the Almighty God who will call you and say, I want to speak to you. And he's going to call you out of that brokenness. If we could just find somebody who will come and weep before the Lord and say, Father, I've had enough of 
Father, I'll do whatever I need to do with you. Father, call me to your bosom. Call me close to you. Oh, do I got a witness in here that somebody might say, Oh, Lord, I come to you. I come to you. Stand to your feet. 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 You see, Shiloh had lost its reputation. It was the degradation of Shiloh was, it was terrible. Sadly, I think about Harvest Point Church. I, I, I pray that people still weep here. I mean, there's things to weep about. I'm not saying there's not things to celebrate. Maybe there's some things going on in your life where there's celebration and cause for celebration. Uh, places where we can, we can herald God and, and thank God. And we just came past Thanksgiving and we, we give thanks for so much. But you know, I, I came here this morning to tell you that there's probably some things you've been tolerating in your life. Today, God says, if you'll bring them to me, I'll speak to it. I'll give you a revelation, a word, a scripture, a text, something God will deliver to you. Something that can change your life. If you're like me, say to yourself, preacher, I've had it up to here with this thing. Tired of being sick. Tired of seeing my mother sick, my brother sick, sister sick, parents sick, children sick. I'm tired of seeing family members without Christ. I'm at a breaking point. Father, what do you want me to do? You say, well, preacher, what are you talking about do? Let God do it. See, that's the problem. We need practical righteousness. The righteousness that moves under the instruction of the voice of God that send us, sends us as messengers to a dying world. Friend, listen. Quit leaving it all up to God. What you need is a breaking point. Do you have one? Is there a place that maybe you might see? Yeah, I have an agitator. There's, there's, there's something going on in this thing. Anybody here have a breaking point? Do you, you have one? Anybody want to bring it to God? I'll cry with you. What if I pledge to you that as you cry, so will I. That my tears become your tears, your tears become mine because it should have broken me. You want to come? The altar's open. We've only got a few minutes, so I can't plead my case with you. If the message, the Spirit of God didn't show you the stuff, then I most certainly can't. Because the work has to be spiritual. It has to be in you. It has to be something that God's performing. If, if you've got it, if you want to come and bring that breaking point to God and say, Father, I don't want to deal with this anymore. This thing has to end. This has to come to a stop. Oh, God. I'll do anything. I'll do anything. I'll give you anything. 